Welcome to Talking Giants final, the final player profile and projection. We've done 34 players up to this point on a 53-man roster. One of them even got cut in Corey Clement. So we've done 30, 34 players, 17 podcast episodes, but we finish it off with a guy who gets his his own episode. And that is one Daniel Jones, quarterback for the New York Giants, six foot five, two hundred twenty-one pounds, twenty-four years old, entering year three, pivotal year three. Justin, he was a very controversial first-round pick out of Duke, but he jumped onto the scene and had a very fun rookie season, but not without his flaws. Twenty-six total touchdowns, but he had twelve interceptions and eighteen fumbles. Eighteen fumbles—that's a lot. That's like record-breaking. They fired his offensive coordinator, head coach, play caller, and Pat Shermer and brought in Jason Garrett, who admitted that his main focus was cutting down the turnovers with Daniel Jones, something that I vehemently disagree with. Well, that worked. He cut his fumbles in half per touch and also his interceptions, if you, if you take away the Ingram popped up interceptions. But with that came his touchdowns going from 24 in 12 games to 11. In 14 games. Just a pitiful number. 11. That is a very pitiful passing touchdown number. They were good games. But nothing that really excited you from his rookie year. Like like or like or like it did his rookie year. And that's with him being the most efficient deep ball passer in the NFL last season. It'll no doubt be better this season with new weapons and a second year in the system. But the question is, how much? And I worry that with the O-line slash play calling more so, it will have a max of good and not great. Where do you even begin? <laughs> Where do you even begin with uh, with Daniel Jones? I usually like to begin with some numbers, Bobby Skinner. So Daniel Jones last year, sixth lowest rate of pass plays of 15-plus air yards, despite being one of the most efficient deep ball passers. Uh, 11 sacks in under two and a half seconds, which was tied in the first with the NFL with Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles. Third lowest rate of pass plays of 15-plus yards overall just produced and the third least amount of total offensive plays run. I mean, if you if you just want to talk about a stat that's bad, just in general, I mean, you know, the Giants are an offense that somehow sustains drives at somewhat of an average rate. They're a team that also doesn't produce points, and they also don't run a lot of offensive plays. So it's just overall, it it's head-scratching where we looked, we stemmed from last season, and we said... It is not fair to evaluate Daniel Jones based on his ability to be the starting quarterback for the New York Football Giants based off of what he did last year. Well, it kind of doesn't matter in year three with, like, at some point, surroundings, in a sense, and I hate to say this, but it doesn't matter. You know, and I point to the Jets with Sam Darnold. Nobody had it worse than him, but I also agree with the Jets moving on because, you know, after year three, we're coming up on, you know, the last year of your rookie contract if you don't uh, get your contract, your uh, fifth-year option extended. So it has to be good this year. Like, even if there's other reasons why, it just has to be good this year. It doesn't have to be great, but it does have to be good. And it can be, you know. Like, the addition of Kenny Galladay is huge. We talk about him being the most efficient deep ball passer. And even when he wasn't the most efficient one in 2019, he was a good one. And it was what I pointed to. Like, like when people are like, well, what is he a lead at? I would say his accuracy downfield. Like, I would always point to that. Well, when they kind of, you know, close the offense down a little bit uh, from 2020 to, uh, or from compared to 2019. Like you saw, it became extremely efficient, but it wasn't even just efficient because like, oh, well, they didn't do it a lot. So they only took it when it was wide open. 
No, they were like all contested throws. Like think about Golden Tate, you know, uh, you know, on you know fades from the slot. So, like basically the only one that was like w- were like wide open was the Darius Slayton one to start the season versus Pittsburgh, and then the other one was um the Austin Mack one when they ran four versus first Washington. Yeah. Like those were really the only ones where it's like, oh, that wasn't a you know a beautiful throw, uh, and that's even like including like maybe the best maybe his best throw of the year was dropped by Darius Slayton. Remember like the sixty five yard pass he threw versus the Bengals. Yeah, he dropped. Yeah. Um, so basically, with the addition of Kenny Galladay, you know we we did see Jason Garrett in preseason, and you know we argued against like, hey, there's the staples of this offense are the same. They ran stick seven times. Watch Mark Schofield's breakdown, and they ran. I mean, almost every play was a you know had a curl concept uh, as like the basis of it. Even the four verts touched on the Caden Smith had a curl on the left side, but uh, but nonetheless, is he's got to be able to push that ball downfield and be more risky. And he know we know he has that in him. Obviously, you don't want to have the dumb um, ones like that that uh, preseason interception, which we'll talk about his weaknesses in a, in a second. But getting that ball downfield. But while at the same time getting the ball to Saquon and getting the ball to Shepard underneath, who he completed eighty percent of his passes, so it doesn't it doesn't need to be all or nothing. You yeah. know, there is a happy medium that Daniel Jones can get to. Yeah, and he also does need to be better in the intermediate part of the field too. But look at his quarterback rating here. His quarterback rating from twenty plus yards last year was one hundred thirty two point five. His quarterback rating when when throwing the ball between ten to nineteen yards was sixty eight point four. Between zero to nine yards, it was eighty one point eight, and behind the line of scrimmage it was seventy nine point nine. Nothing, <laughs> nothing was higher than an 82, than an 81.8 when he was throwing less than 20 yards down the field. So that is the best part of his game. It was the best part of his game last year. And you can make an argument that it was the best part of his game because he only did it on 10% of his passing attempts. But guess what? We're, I'm not looking for a QB rating of 100. I, I hope, in a way, Bobby, I hope that Daniel Jones's QB rating is not repeated of 132.5 at the end of this year. Because I want the Giants to take more risks. I would rather Daniel Jones throw an interception where he's throwing 40 yards down the field versus 5 yards. Because at least if you throw 40 yards down the field, well then that's 40 yards lost for the opposing offense. And you're taking more risks. I would rather this offense be an explosive play offense rather than just 10, 11, 12, 13 play drives. Which it's so tough to sustain in the National Football League. So And we, and we look at numbers like, and I, I don't want to turn this into a Jason Garrett PPP either. But... Deeper concepts. When we say we'll move, you know, push the ball downfield, it doesn't mean just like okay, on this play we are going deep. Deeper concepts have checks. They have other short routes in them. You know, it's not all or nothing. Like even all, even if you run four verts, the running back checks down. You know, and I remember they ran four verts versus the Seahawks with the Colts. Guess what? Colt McCoy ended up throwing the ball to Alfred Morrison. So even a play like that doesn't is it's not all or nothing. Really, the only all for nothing plays, which the the Giants do more than most other teams are those eight-man protections, two-man routes. Those are all-or-nothing plays and, and are like, you know, the Giants, I will give them credit, as old school as they were, did have some good um, plays doing that um, and uh, moving the ball downfield. But concepts like stick, uh, you know, these all-curls or, or, you know, mostly curls, they can be covered well with man coverage and putting, like, a robber inside linebacker in the middle. And, th- and with that, those blocking schemes also aren't, like, you know they're not, they're not meant to block forever, which leads to more sacks. And you look at Pat Shermer's offense was way more aggressive. 2019, they had, the Giants had seven less sacks than in 2020. Yep. And I think they had better offensive line. Kevin Zeitler might have uh, regressed a little bit, 
but like I think overall they were they like Gates was a upgrade over Jalapio. Uh, you can argue, anyways. But nonetheless, it's like it wasn't some huge difference. So the idea that well Garrett called it like that is because uh you know they don't have the O line. Well, guess what? That way didn't work either because things were covered up in man coverage and they were very like you know the the sack in the preseason game was like that ball needs to come out quick, but everything was covered. So do you want him to force an interception or take a sack? He took a sack and rightfully so. So he needs to be able to move the ball downfield this year, and but also with it, like in his weaknesses, get the ball back down to the checkdowns quicker. Yeah, like we saw in the preseason game, there was a pass where he it was a sack, it wasn't a good blocking, but he should have got the ball out to Booker. Like he should have got the ball out to Devontae Booker. He was open. It would have been had some yak. So he does need. That's the thing he needs to get better at is that when he is does have his eyes downfield to get to know to know when to come back down. Yep. You know, and you saw him get a little better as that from his 2019 season, and that's kind of how Caden Smith emerged towards uh, the end of that year. And that processing still does need to be quicker, and we're not asking for the offensive line to block for five seconds here, which a lot of fans are probably listening to this screaming, well, Jason Garrett can't throw the ball down the field when you don't have an offensive line. I agree that Daniel Jones should not have the ball in his hands for longer than three seconds. So here's the breakdown of QB rating by the time of the, the time before the release. So in two seconds or less, 79.8 passer rating. 2.1 to 2.5 seconds, 97.9. 2.6 seconds to 3 seconds is 87.4. And then 3.1 seconds or longer is 58.7. And that's really the main difference between Daniel Jones... I would say Daniel Jones and the best quarterbacks in the National Football League. We're talking the Lamar Jacksons of the world, the Kyler Murrays, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. Those guys get astronomically better when they hold on to the ball for 3.1 seconds or longer. I don't think Daniel Jones is ever going to be that guy where you saw it a few times against Dallas where he improvised and he extended a play and he improvised and threw a ball to Darius Slayton on the sideline. I just don't ever think that that's going to be a strength of Daniel Jones. You saw it in the preseason game, how it was a poorly thrown ball or a poor decision, whatever take you want to have, when he was rolling out to his right and when he was on the move. I don't think Daniel Jones is going to be that to ever that kind of quarterback to improvise extremely well like the top guys in the league. And I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing, but in the games in which Daniel Jones actually did have some of the most highest air yard per attempt totals last year, it was during that Eagle game. And he got the ball out in like two and a half seconds that game. So the games in which Daniel Jones was best last year, in terms of getting rid of the ball the quickest and throwing the ball down the field, those games kind of like in line with each other there. So it's not separate entities. You can have the best of both worlds. And when you have a contested catch king like Kenny Galladay, it's sometimes just as simple as throwing the ball up to him, back shoulder fade, contested catch, however you want to approach it. Sometimes it's that simple. You're muted, Bobby. Good job. Kenny Galladay should be a huge add to him. And again, we, um, and part of this is he was a six overall pick. You got to trust him to be a great quarterback. You got like it's year three. You have to trust him. Like you can't be coaching him scared of interceptions and turnovers. If they happen, well then it's move. You get to move on. And I get that. You know we're fans for the New York Giants for life. Where, you know they these guys sometimes coach scared because they're coaching for their jobs. Um, but you cannot coach this guy scared. That's not fair to him. That's not fair to the Giants. Like let yeah. him be who you drafted him to be. The way Pat Shermer viewed him. Like view him that way. You don't even if you even if you don't view him that way, view him that way. And I think towards the second half of the season, the Giants started to. Now you have to also consider the second half of the season and the middle part of the season. Well, second half of the season. That's when Daniel Jones was hurt. And we had Daniel Jones' trainer on this offseason, Mickey Bruckner, who said, even when we interviewed him in the spring, 
that Jones was still kind of nursing back that ankle injury that he had in gaining back strength. I think he's full strength now. But that was, you know, those were quite the gnarly injuries that he suffered uh, towards the latter end of last year. But in weeks one through nine, Daniel Jones averaged 6.73 air yards per passing attempt. It's kind of bad, kind of putrid. But then Daniel Jones's final five games of the season, he averaged 9.84 air yards per passing attempt. And that's quite... That's where we want him. That's quite the dramatic difference, and that's a nice balance. That's not, you know, well, I, th- I think I actually think that's a lot, Bobby. Like, if you look at a season total, um, there there are guys that have eight, like you know, eight point five, and you know, and you're like, oh, that's a good amount. Like Russell Wilson, I think is around there too. And Russell Wilson definitely liked last year to air it down the field. They're going to look to become a little bit more of a quick passing offense this year. So nine point eight four, like that's a lot. And part of me thinks it has something to do with Daniel Jones's lack of mobility. So I, I don't know why it was such a dramatic difference, especially when you do consider that Daniel Jones was hurt. But I do want to find the stat. Well, Baltimore, point. Dallas, they let them kind of go downfield, and and like those were the two games where we're like, actually, I kind of like what we saw out of Jason Garrett in those two games. Yeah. So before Daniel Jones's injury, too, kind of like I was saying before, um, the offense was actually performing at an average rate EPA-wise between week 6 to week 12. I'll, I'll even see if I can throw that graphic on the screen right now by Ben Baldwin, who does like the EPA calculations by defense and offense. And EPA is basically like expected points added and how much is a group doing to put points on the board or to prevent points from going on the board on the defense side of the ball. And week 6 through 12, there was like a theme brewing at least in my uh, talk and analytics blogs and then also some of my points on the podcast where I thought the Giants offense was close to being average when you consider Daniel Jones's legs and which maybe we can go to next Bobby Daniel Jones's legs him starting to throw the ball downfield a little bit more the offensive line was gelling Andrew Thomas was getting better I thought that there was a point pre Daniel Jones injury pre stupid Cincinnati game where I thought the offense was like starting to become average, even though they weren't putting a lot of points on the board, they were moving the ball a lot better and there were more opportunities for them to score. So if you're somebody who's optimistic about this team, you're optimistic about the final five games of the season. They let Jones air it out a little bit more. And the fact that that stretch between week six to week 12, those uh, that stretch of six, seven games, the Giants offense was average EPA wise. And that's an advanced stat. And that's not just necessarily a, Points scored, and I know a lot of fans like to say, oh, the the, the the advanced stats hate the Giants. Well, not during that stretch. Well, we will talk about his running it and his weaknesses to close out. But before that, this final PPP is sponsored by our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. It's back-to-school time. We want to make sure you pack the essentials to have the best year yet. The Manscaped fourth-generation performance package is just that. Things are opening up. Be ready for whatever is in the daily schedule for you. It's the perfect package for your package and includes the brand new lawnmower 4.0 fella fellas go for the valedictorian of ball trimming and join the two million men worldwide who trusted manscaped by going to manscaped.com with the code giants school's back you gotta get the performance package 4.0 i mean the lawnmower 4.0 that's really the thing that you need the most like that you know they have the crop server the ball deodorant the toner you know some free gifts some like boxes and stuff but Really what you want is that like lawnmower 4.0 and all that other stuff is really good. I mean, it's got a, a you know, a, like a 7,000 RPMs with their motor. It's got a nice light so you can do it in the shower mm-hmm. if that's the way you roll. I don't really use it in the shower, I'll be honest. I'm a very big like a, like, you know, stand over the mirror and just sweep afterwards. Oh, yeah. But anyways, get the lawnmower 4.0 and all that stuff. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GIANTS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off. Plus free shipping with the code GIANTS at manscaped.com. 
This year, graduate with a degree and clean balls from Manscaped. Don't touch Bobby's um, mop or whatever. What do you, what do you call it? Broom. Uh, it's called a broom. There, I got it. I got it after Someone's a never there. taken care of themselves. Um, all right, so let's talk about his weaknesses, and then we'll talk about rushing as its own. Pocket feel seems to be like the biggest one, which also leads to his other biggest weakness, which is fumbles. Like, I mean, we talk, you know, the interceptions, he did, he cut those out in the second half of the Giants season. You know, one interception, and it was off Evan Ingram's hand. Like, he did cut those out. Um, so, but, but the pocket feel leads to fumbles, you know, and he, like, the fumbles have been a real issue for him. Like, it, it got a lot better, but still, it's still not perfect. I mean, he had, um, nine that I would accredit to him. One was a, a handoff Wayne Gaughan, which didn't take. Um, and then the other one was, uh, the Evan Ingram reverse for a San Fran. But still, that's like, you know, that's top of the league still. Um, and that's with missing two games. What gives me hope with that, though, is when were, like, the best O-line games where he was healthy? It was the Eagles, the Bengals, and, um, like, that's, or, or like, those two games. And Cowboys, we saw him work the, 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 the two Cowboy games, well, sort of. The O-line was bad in the first Cowboy game. And yeah. then the second one, he was still injured. Not as much, but... Like, those were where you saw him, like, like wow, he's really maneuvering the pocket well. Like, you know, there was a re- one sticks out in your head, like a pass to Golden Tate on the sideline. Like, he was working the pocket well in those games. You know, stepping up into that, you know, deep pass to Darius Slayton versus Cincy. And those were the games where the best O-line is. So, it could be partly due to O-line bat- play, but also, like, he just needs to get better at maneuvering the pocket. And, you know, that will help him in the fumble department as well. Yeah, he, he does have this tendency, and it's so strange how it's the total opposite of what the critique of Eli Manning was towards the latter end of his career, where Eli Manning was just so shell-shocked, and I can't blame him for getting hit for all those years because the offensive line was just so bad. It is crazy how even you look at the offensive line right now, and I feel like we prefer the offensive line that we have right now, even though we could argue that they are below average, and then you look at those lines that Eli had, and it's like it's night and day. Um so his problem was that he would just look down too much, too soon. And Daniel Jones does not look down. Oh, it takes him too long to work his way back to the line of scrimmage and process that type of way and move within the pocket. Have that feel. And that's something that, again, I, I Mickey Bruckner, I may even put it in the card to go check out that interview. And I have in the timestamps of when the interview starts. I would go check out that interview because Mickey Bruckner and Daniel Jones as trainer this offseason, he was very, very candid on what they are working with Daniel Jones. And it is that pocket, not necessarily pocket mobility, but pocket awareness and how to manipulate the pocket and how to just, it's a feel thing, you know, and that's one of the things we even talked to Jones' trainer two offseasons ago, right, Bobby? What was his name from QB school? Uh, Anthony Boone. Anthony Boone. Did I get QB school QB country. QB country. And Anthony Boone, we talked about it. You know, we talked about with Anthony Boone. Or Duke QB. Another Duke QB. There you go. We talked with Boone about, you know, what is is pocket mobility, pocket awareness? Is that something that you can like work on? Is it something that you can measure? Something is like no, it's kind of just like a feel thing. It is a feel thing. So he's got to get that feel down. And you hope in year three he can do it. Um, you know, and you talked about the turnovers. You know, PFF actually graded him quite well this year. Like, if you look at a chart that is production, like EPA-wise, but then PFF grade, 
Daniel Jones is like the standalone quarterback that has extremely, extremely poor production because the Giants don't score points, but actually a very positive PFF grade based off of the 2020 season. And I think that kind of exposed PFF's grading system, at least based on quarterbacks, where the large majority is, do you turn over the ball or do you not turn over the ball? Yeah, it's like they had Dwayne Haskins rated better than Daniel Jones' rookie year, where it's like, well, because Dwayne Haskins didn't have like a lot of turners. But yeah, he was, yeah. if you use your eyes, like, okay. So yeah, I mean, I don't use PFF grades. Other uh, weakness. Under pressure. The sc- and with that, the scratch-your-head dumb turnovers. They popped up in that preseason game. And like the two versus Tampa, which I think those were a wake-up call, those two versus Tampa. Because those were just like, what the hell? Were, like, what were you thinking? Like, he has to eliminate those. Like, it, games can be won and lost on eliminating those. And again, it doesn't... I. This does not mean I want him turning into like a guy who's afraid of throwing the ball downfield or taking chances. I want him taking chances. But just the ones that make no sense, where it's like, what were you trying to gain out of this play? Um, those are the ones he needs to cut out. Because it's just sometimes it's just like, I don't know what happens to him. It just goes mush and just tosses the ball up like he's playing 500. Yep. yep. I feel like you saw that from Eli early in his career too, which I feel Jones... Through his whole career, but there's, still. There's I, I, don't whole wanna, career. I don't want to use Eli's negatives as like a positive for daniel jones no but all man it's it's such a combination where you do not want the wtf disaster throws and disaster moments but i would again i would rather see those interceptions manifested in taking chances rather than wtf moments yes yes exactly you know if you try and put like fit you know with a good pocket try to fit a ball into double coverage okay sometimes it'll go really good and sometimes it'll go bad but it was like the Tampa ones, it's like he's being dragged to the ground. He's definitely not going to be able to get a good ball off, even if there's someone open. But it's like, you know, guy 15 yards down the field, and it's like you're just, I mean, just throwing it up. It doesn't make any sense. Yep. Yep. Um, the preseason one wasn't as bad as those other ones, but still. Like getting rid of those dumb ones. Yep. And I know there's been debate about that preseason one. I do view it as a really bad one. Um, Injuries. That's another weakness. Mm-hmm. He's missed games the last three seasons. That Duke, he broke his collarbone, came back really quick. He's tough as hell. Um, the uh, sprained ankle, his rookie season, and then the hamstring and slash ankle uh, sprain this past season. But we can't really give an analysis on like, well, what does he have to do to stay hungry? I would say don't run him in between the tackles on purpose because that's what both of his injuries have come on. Now, the since he won, it was a you know, soft tissue, so it's hard to blame it on being inside the tackles. But, like, the Green Bay won his rookie year. Do you remember that? I mean, I remember that play distinctly. He he got hit the N on the NY, popped off his helmet on that play. Like, it was a it was a, like a power O read option. And he just goes head up with Zadarius or Preston Smith and wins that battle on fourth and one, which is like, it's gritty as hell. And then go watch the rest of the game. And, like, this guy missed two games after this, some of the throws he was making after that. But it's like those plays we can avoid. Like, I don't want to get rid of the zone read, but get rid of those plays where it's like, let's just bash you up the middle like you're Cam Newton. Yeah, yeah, I'd certainly agree. And, you know, the the problem is with his toughness, and he's tough as nails, you never, you're never going to question Daniel Jones's toughness. But the thing is, is when you come back from that injury and you come back before you're healed, well, then you're not performing as well as you should. And, yes, you're still a better backup option than to Colt McCoy or Mike Glennon. But that's still, you're if you're not performing at 100%, you know, you're you're not as effective. And Daniel Jones is 
you know, does not have the talent of like the Mahomes and the Rodgers of, you know, you would take 80% of Rodgers over, you know, every other quarterback in the NFL. So Jones isn't like that. So that's the issue about him getting hurt. And then if he misses one or two games and then comes back before he's fully healed, that's the issue behind that. Let's talk about his running. I mean, it's, we don't have to get this. We don't have to really go in depth with that, but use it, man. Like him and that was with Wayne Gallman and Alfred Morris. Like with Saquon, Kadarius Tony. Like I don't think he he probably won't have as many yards because they started really relying on his running ability, you know, for a stretch in the season. But like this guy should be known as one of the best rushers in the QB or in the in the league, and his stats show it too. Like he averaged um. Six and a half yards per carry, like he's that's like you know near like top like five in the league for running, uh, you know for QBs yards total. Like he is one of the best running QBs in the league. Like it's not Lamar, but he's one of the best running QBs in the league. And you got to consider how many games his legs were a non-factor. It was kind of the beginning of the season where I think they were hesitant to run him with Saquon, and then when he was hurt towards the latter end of the year. So the Giants had eight running plays of 20-plus yards in 2020. Four of them were by Daniel Jones, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. And if you look at rushing EPA amongst quarterbacks, he was ranked 11th in the National Football League. And again, you have to consider the games at which Daniel Jones was not running, and he was still ranked 11th in the National Football League. The games at which he was top five, top 10 in quarterback EPA in general, not just rushing EPA, but like, you know, when you include passing and rushing and overall quarterback performance, the games in which he was top 10, top five in the National Football League is when he was rushing most effect is when he was rushing most effectively. So I say that is the path for Daniel Jones to become not just an average eh, quarterback. The path to him becoming a good quarterback is using his legs. And I am adamant on that. Yeah, there's no reason to not use him. You can't you can't be afraid of injuries. Um, that you can, like I said, avoid the in between the tackles, QB power runs. Um, all right. So it's year three. It's big. Um, I hate the word excuses because it's like some the you you make a rational argument and then it's like, well, you're just making excuses. Like Jason Garrett isn't an excuse. Jace, like we broke down Jason Garrett and why he was bad. You know, last season we'll give him a, a fair, we'll give him a clean slate this season, and it was like, well, the wide receivers don't have separation. It's like, well, part of that is because Jason Garrett's scheme is built around receivers winning one on one constantly and not putting you know defenders in conflict. But anyways, not a Jason Garrett PPP. It's big. I mean, if it's not good this year, QB is in the is in the talks. Yep. Um, next draft, and yep. I know people repeat like. You know, they, they got two first-round picks. Maybe that's to tr- trade up and draft a QB. It's like, if they're drafting a QB, it's not going to be with Dave Gettleman. So that's not why they made the the draft day trade. So, But it's, you know, I finished off last year's PPP with Daniel Jones. was like, don't be a dick. Give this guy a chance. A lot of you are just looking to tear this guy down. Now it's year three. It's There's really no more chances. It's time to make something happen. Like, you know, I, I made fun of the make it happen. But it's time to make something happen. You have good players. It's probably going to be in a bad scheme with a bad O-line. But you've got good weapons. Use those weapons. Be the sixth overall pick. And I'll be happy at the end of the year. But I do, I do worry that there is a, a cap of good for the offense this year and not a cap of great, which is a shame. Yeah, and that's something that I've said all offseason is I'm shooting for average. You know, think of this team winning six, uh, five, six games last year. Uh, and the offense was the second to worst in the National Football League. Now think of this defense even improving to become a top 10 unit, and think of what this team can do if the offense is 
average. I'm talking 16th ranked in the National Football League when it comes to points scored or total yards, however you evaluate offenses. So for one more final time in this PPP season, root for the guys in blue, root for Daniel Jones, and go out there and shock the world, kid. Shock the world. All right, we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for watching you know, watching and listening to these PPPs. It's always a fun time of year when they finish. It's to close out a camp. Um, so, yeah. But uh, it's a lot of people, it's going to be a big culture shock when it's like Talking Giants isn't in their podcast feed every single yeah. day of the week going to work. So, yeah. sorry about that. It'll only be three of the five days um, going forward after this next week. Sorry about that. Sorry, buddies. Um, but thanks for supporting. The numbers have been good, like consistently good with the PPPs, which is cool. Um, more so on the podcast app than YouTube. Um, YouTube is very player. Like, is this player someone I want to watch or not? But anyways, we appreciate you guys. We'll see you next time. Until then, let's go Big Blue.